What's up, everyone, and welcome to Making the Shift. We're an SLP couple from California with three boys and a passion for finding better ways to support autistic kids. I'm Chris Winger, better known as Speech Dude, and I'm a neurodivergent high school SLP and the creator of The Dassel, the dynamic assessment of social-emotional learning. And I'm Jesse Ginsberg, a sensory integration-trained SLP, owner of a top-rated speech therapy clinic in Los Angeles, and the creator of the Inside Out Sensory Programs for parents and therapists. Join us weekly to learn neurodiversity-affirming ways to support social-emotional development and regulation in autistic kids. Are you ready to make the shift? Welcome to Making the Shift. Today is a very special day because we have an awesome guest here today. So today we have Sam Roundtree, who is an autistic SLP in Australia. Hi, everyone. Thanks for inviting me, Jesse. This is so exciting. So Sam and I, we met because she enrolled in my sensory program. And then I don't even know how it all happened, but we got to talking, connecting on social media. And then when Chris and I were down in Australia presenting, you came, which yeah. was that far from where you live? Uh, about 45 minutes. Okay. And it was the, like probably the rainiest day it had been in many, many years. Chris and I drove from Melbourne to no Sydney to Wollongong <laughs> and it's only supposed to be about an hour but it was like the worst rain you could ever imagine I was freaking out you can't even see through the window and it was just how did you get there that day did you drive I drove it wasn't that bad that day it was the day before that it was worse okay yeah. the weather's been worse like five times since then so. oh my gosh yeah, but that was really special because Sam and I had been like friends talking on social media and then we actually got to meet in person. So yeah, maybe you can just introduce yourself and tell everyone a little bit about you. All right. So I, as Jesse said, I'm Sam. Um, I'm an autistic SLP in Sydney, Australia. I run the Aussie Speechy on Instagram and I yeah have worked with Jesse on a few things so far and I'm excited to talk about some more things with Jesse today. Yeah, so what I can't even remember how I ended up asking you to speak about this topic. Maybe you had posted about special interests. Yeah. And then I had reached out to Sam because we were in, doing our presentation and I thought it would be cool if she could contribute and it was so powerful um just the way that she described special interests was something I had never thought about before. So that's really our topic for today is what are autistic special interests and how can we support our kids in their special interests? So maybe Sam, you can just tell everyone a little bit about what special interests are. So special interests are they're kind of like a topic or a trying to think of the words for it it's like a topic of really like really intense interest a lot of the time people refer to it as obsessions or hyperfixations, but they're a little bit different so special interests are usually more long term so they're things that we get really really passionate about we kind of want to learn all about it and it can be something that stays with us for a long time it's kind of a safe space whereas like 
the other side of like the hyperfixation side is very similar to special interest, but usually a bit more short lived. So it might a hyperfixation might be like a week of intense interest in something, whereas a special interest is usually something that sort of stays with us. Even once we sort of move on to a new one, it's always in the background. So any special interest I've had in my life, I'm still I still love and I still adore it, even if I have got one that's taking a bit more precedence at that moment. Yeah, and you, you know, you use the word obsessions, which I think a lot of people are so used to hearing, which is definitely something that, you know, we're trying to move away from is describing kids special interests as obsessions only because of the negative connotation, you know, that it has, but and then, you know, something that you had said previously and now is that special interest is like a safe space for you. And I think that for a lot of people that it's probably the first time they're hearing it in that way, would you be able to kind of elaborate on what you mean by that? Yeah, well, I mean, in our lives, like everything is designed for neurotypical people. So there's not many safe spaces for us or not many topics we feel 100% comfortable talking about without worrying about, you know, are we talking about the right thing? Are we talking for too long? All of those things, whereas, or we don't understand what's being talked about either. Whereas our special interest is kind of something that we know a lot about. And if we find someone who's actually interested in talking about our special interest, that's really good feeling. It's really validating, but it's just something we know, something we know what to expect out of it. And it's just a comfortable topic that we we know basically that's what it is it's just the familiarity of it yeah that's such a powerful way to describe it and so what I was doing recently in my research when I was putting together autism support resources which is something that Sam contributed to as well on this topic was I was looking at the difference between a special interest and a hobby because I feel like I hear people saying you know what is the difference. I'm curious, like to you, what is the difference? And then I'll share what I found. Yeah, well, to me, like, you know, my current hobby that I've picked up, it's the only thing that's helped my migraines over the last few days is cross-stitching. So that for me is a hobby, because it's not something I'm, you know, I'm not going to go and find out the history of cross-stitching and I'm not going to do it every moment of every day. It's just kind of something that I find fun that I will do sometimes, whereas the special interest. So for example, my special interest BTS, I flew to the US <laughs> to see them. I spent thousands of dollars to see them, which not everyone can do. And that's something I'm very privileged to have been able to do. But, you know, I will drop as much, within reason, I will drop everything to pay attention to something BTS do. So obviously if I'm working, different story, but if it's the weekend and there's something on, I will cancel plans with people to watch the BTS thing. I've had friends over and one of the BTS members goes live and I literally have the live sitting there. I can't speak Korean. I can't understand Korean. There were no subtitles, but it was still on in the background. So I guess that's the kind of difference between the hobby and the special interest is you know, I will do this occasionally versus this is something that takes a lot of precedence in my life within reason, obviously. Yeah. And that's something I found. And I know this is just like, these are just random studies I was looking at, but looking at a hobby is something someone might do like a few hours a week. And in one study, I saw that some autistic people could spend like 25 hours a week 
on their special interest. What do you think about that stat? Yeah, that sounds about right. So on my topic again, the BTS stuff, they released a new game. When that released, I was looking at like, because the iPhone does like the statistics of how long you spend on an app. The first three weeks it was out, I also had a lot of sick leave because I wasn't very well, but I spent about 35 hours a week on that game, which was kind of a hyperfixation in itself because it was the game and it was beating all these puzzles, but it was also related to my special interest. So it was kind of a mix of both of those things. Yeah, so definitely an extended, extensive amount of time. And it sounds like maybe like the intensity of the love of that thing as well. Like a hobby is like, oh, that's fun. Um, And I think one of the other things that I found really interesting was like the reason. So like, why would someone engage in a hobby is maybe like to become part of that community. Like, oh, I want to start golfing because I want to be one of those people who who rides around that shows how much I know about golf in the golf cart um, or hangs out with like the golf people or it might be to socialize, like everyone plays golf on the weekend and I, that's my chance to be there. Um, Or, you know, of course they enjoy doing it, but it sounds like a special interest is more of like that intrinsically motivating thing that like, that is for me and I'm not doing it for anyone else other than because it brings me joy. Yeah, pretty much like it brings me joy. I mean, I get joy from sharing it with my best friend um, who is the one who got me into it, but you know, it's, more than that for me like if i'm feeling sad i will go and watch compilation videos of bts on um youtube and that will cheer me up or yeah just a lot of things like that so it's not just sharing it with people it's the stuff that i can get when i'm on my own as well yeah and another um like to think about the difference between a hobby and a special interest like you had mentioned um what did you say? Crochet? Uh, cross-stitching. Yeah. cross-stitching. Okay. One of those. So it's like, um, versus just like, so cross-stitching just a cross-stitch versus like diving into the history of why it ha- is happening and who does it and where, and like a special interest would just go like deeper into yeah. it. Yeah, for sure. So what about what happens when like your special interest is shut down? Like, let's talk about that, what that feels like when you don't have the space to like, or maybe in the past, you obviously were a child before you were an adult. Um, Did like your parents or anyone ever just like shut you down? Like, no, that's, that's enough. And what did that feel like? Um, Well, I was very lucky that my parents were very well versed in special interests because my brother was diagnosed from when he was two. So they kind of just took on my special interest of Harry Potter when I was little. Um, And I mean, my dad found it quite amusing and would tease me about it, but I knew it was in good nature. Whereas at school, especially in high school, when Harry Potter was mentioned, I got extremely excited to the point where I almost cried just at the name, at the mention of Harry Potter, which was a little bit extreme, which I can like, you know, looking back at it a little bit extreme, but also that was how excited I was by the topic. And I had numerous friends who would say, why are you so excited about it? Stop talking about it all the time. You're being so weird about it. 
various things that were kind of like you're too excited about it um and it got to the point where I started masking my excitement for things like that and it got to the point where when I was at university I realized I actually stopped feeling excitement wow <laughs> like I couldn't I couldn't I think I was feeling it but I couldn't identify it anymore because I had spent so long masking my excitement for various things and it got to the point where my even my excitement that I did show to other people was kind of performative. So I'd say, oh, my God, I'm so excited about this movie coming out. But inside it was kind of like it's like when people say lol at the end of text, but they're not actually laughing. It was kind of the same thing. So I had to go to a psychologist and really work on trying to find the excitement and understand what excitement feels like again. Yeah, that's so crazy to think about, like the disconnect that happened and then it kind of goes into like sensory and being able to trust your body and read your body signals and your your mind is telling you something different yeah yeah um it's funny (laughs) you say that the lol because anytime i actually laugh i'll say actual lol (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah that's so they were able not to get like too personal, but do you feel like the therapy was able to really like help you find that again? I feel like it's getting there. It definitely hasn't gotten back to what it might've been when I was little, but also it's hard to work out if this is like what my baseline would be, because as you get older, there's obviously slightly less of the child excitement that you have when you're a child. But um, I don't know quite the level of that because I missed out on so many years of excitement I don't know whether this is just like now I'm at the natural place for my excitement or whether or not it's still I'm still disconnected from it yeah it's almost like it was traumatizing to go through those experiences yeah definitely. and one thing you said before that made me actually lol was when you said that Um, this was previously, you had said that people will say like, why are you talking about that? And then you will stop talking about it. And then they go on to talk about whatever they want to for like an hour. Yeah, (laughs) that happens frequently. And they don't particularly like it when I point that out to them. (laughs) I mean, that's brings up such a great point, though, is how do you advocate for, for yourself from here? Like, what recommendations would you have for, you know, teens or young adults or adults who go through that you know every day of people shutting them down but then the same thing happening I think it's important to find people that you know have their own interests and that might be unique like I've got a friend who is really good about my special interests because I'm really good about her interest it's not I think I would call it almost a special interest. She's not neurodivergent as far as I know, but she's very interested in board games, which I don't particularly enjoy. They stress me out, but I will play her board games. I will listen to the things about her board games and she will listen to things about Harry, um, Harry Potter, Harry Potter and BTS. So I think it's important to make sure that yes, you can have your friends. Like I've got one friend who kind of rolls her eyes when I talk about BTS, but then she will talk about Harry Styles for five hours. Um, But, you know, it's important to know that I've also got friends who 
will listen to it. Friends who've got the same interest as me, maybe not quite as intense, but you know, like three of my best friends love BTS and that's kind of how we connected on a deeper level or I introduced one of them to it, knowing that we've got a lot of similar interests before that. So I think it's about trying to find your people who are, who are interested in the same thing as you, but also find the people who, you know, are willing to talk about it. And sometimes it might just be that you might have to explain that, you know, when you're anxious or when you're not particularly comfortable, sometimes you will revert to talking about your special interest because that's something that's comforting. And it can also help other people understand that when you're talking about that, that's what you need. And it might be something they can do to support you in certain situations. Is that a conversation you'll have with your friends? It's one I've had with my friends, particularly the one that I mentioned that talks about Harry Styles all the time. She's a lot better than she used to be because I've, you know, had these conversations with her. And it's also understanding her conversation style as well, because when we have conversations, a lot of the conversation does end up centering around her stories. So just that's just the type of conversational she is as well so I think there is a degree of flexibility and understanding we have to have which I think I'm a bit more privileged because of the SLP side of me that I can understand the different conversation styles and accept them um, but it's definitely a conversation that I've tried to have with the people that I feel like are worth keeping around there's certain people I think mm, I don't talk to them enough for it to matter but um, for the ones who, you know, I'm around a lot more or I enjoy being around, I'll be honest with them and talk about that. Yeah. And that's a good, that's good advice for any friendship, because it's like one of those things where, you know, your friendship isn't very deep if you're not willing to have those hard conversations, you know, and, and when you do, it brings your friendship to a new level. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I love how you said, you know, find your people, it's like find your tribe. Do you feel like when you are working with autistic kids and you see their special interests, are you recommending to their families to like have them go out and find their people? Um, I try to. It depends on the special interest. Um, I'll give an example I've given before. There's a client that I used to see when I was in my last placement um, at university. That's what we kind of call our internships or whatever. But um and they were very very interested in pokemon roblox and jurassic world <laughs> so one of the goals that um the teachers for that child identified was that they wanted to work on group work and all of that because he was integrating into mainstream so and that was one big thing that you know, there was a lot of difficulty with and often resulted in a lot of meltdowns. And so we found another child in the support class who was also transitioning and had the same difficulties, who was also very interested in Jurassic World. <laughs> so we worked together to make this handbook about the Jurassic World dinosaurs working on group work doing a group project about the special interests and then now like by the end of the project they were very good friends they were spending a lot of time together in the playground and in class so it kind of using a special interest really helped them branch out and make friends and i think the parents really saw that too and saw how beneficial it was yeah 
That's so awesome. I know like we talk about here a lot or maybe like chatter on the web about when forming groups for kids that it's more powerful to form groups based on their interests than, you know, really anything else about them. Yeah, because at the end of the day, if you think about talking to someone, you're not going to talk to someone who has completely different interests to you, even if they are your age. But you're going to talk to people who have the same interests as you, pretty much no matter what age they are. Yeah, that's such a good point. So what are what's some other advice you would give to like either therapists or parents about how they can support special interests in their kids or clients? I think the best thing to do is just validate it. Even if you aren't particularly interested, I won't say I'm particularly interested in dinosaurs or Pokemon or Roblox. It kind of goes in one ear and out the other. But I make a conscious effort with my clients to understand, which is why I've made things like the handbook for the dinosaurs or handbook. I've done a few handbooks for Pokemon and stuff. So they are teaching me about their special interest while working on the skills that we're working on in therapy. And it's validating that and it creates a really good rapport. Like I've had clients that just didn't want to see me, not because of any particular reason, they just associated work with pain. So then when I introduced using their special interests, now suddenly it's, what do you mean? I've got an excursion next week and I can't see you at school. And I think that's just really valuable for therapists to remember is that it will actually increase your therapeutic relationship with someone and will likely result in a lot better outcomes for that person and a lot more comfort for them and probably less masking for them over time. And for parents, I agree that it is quite, sorry, someone's calling me, here we go. <laughs> um, speaking of parents, that's my mum. I think for parents, it's really important to make sure you're validating it. And it can be frustrating when you're at home and potentially they haven't talked about their special interest all day at school and suddenly you get this barrage of Minecraft um, information. I know that's a very common one. Um, but I think what's really important is to make sure you give space for that. And, you know, it's okay to set boundaries sometimes. So maybe if you're a parent, you need to say like, when I'm cooking dinner, you can talk to me about Minecraft. Or when we're having dinner, you can talk to me about it. And But also I think it's important to make sure that we're teaching understanding of other people's interests as well. So not squashing your interest for someone else's, but being aware that other people also have really intense interests and might want to talk about that as well. Yeah, absolutely. And so for, would you say teachers, like trying to incorporate special interests more into like the lesson planning, like into the learning? Yeah, for sure. I think that's really important. Obviously it's difficult for things like maths, if maths isn't a special interest, some people love it, but you know, for some people maths isn't a special interest. So it can be difficult to try do those things. And sometimes you just have to be really creative and really flexible. It might even just being, if you're doing a maths worksheet and the kids really interested in Pokemon stick a picture of a Pokemon on the paper <laughs> that's you know that's something that I've seen can work you stick a Pokemon sticker on the maths sheet and suddenly it's a bit more exciting because it's got a Pokemon on it. it's Pokemon maths sheet or you know if you're writing a story like a close passage with questions or something or if you're writing the worksheet or something like that look up the topic on the internet see if there are any character names you can use for names in the story 
or any settings like you know if the kid's really into poo bear it could be set in the hundred acre wood something like that so just finding the most simple subtle ways to include it because you know when i was at school and i'd see the word harry in a worksheet even if it wasn't harry potter related i'd go harry <laughs> um and i see the same occasionally i come up across a resource that happens to have a bts member's name in it which you know kind of makes me go oh wonder if this person's a fan and that gives me a little bit of joy even if no one else, even if my client has no idea, that gives me a little bit of joy to see. Yeah, so just trying to sprinkle them in as much as possible. Okay, yeah. what about this? What about using special interests as like, like I feel like I'll see this is using someone's special interest as like a bribe or a reward. Like, oh, you can't do that and you can't go watch Jurassic World until you do X, Y, Z. Yeah, I think, you know, obviously, first then can sometimes have a place, especially if it's like, you know, in the home and you have to have a shower. <laughs> it might be, you know, something we used to do with my brother when he was little, is I would try and encourage him. He loves YouTube. That's his kind of really big fixation. It's not anything specific, but he will watch YouTube and he hates unpacking the dishwasher. And that was his chore and it was painful to get him to do it. So I would try and encourage him to bring his iPad down, set it up in the kitchen and have that playing while he did the chore. So sometimes it might just be in, if it's something they like they have to do, like self care, all of those things. I think it's good to try and incorporate the activity in it as much as possible. Or if it's, you know, if they want to watch a movie and they're in the shower, that's not always going to work. So then those times, sometimes it is, you know, you, might have to do a little bit of bribery as you do with most kids but in general like in therapy I don't think it's really appropriate to um, bribe someone with a special interest to sort of say no you can't do that fun thing until you do this thing that's not fun yeah I and try to incorporate the interests a little bit more and obviously it depends on each kid as well some kids might be happy to do some desk work and then watch five minutes of a video but other kids might need a lot more depth with their special interest in activities. It just depends on the kid. Yeah. And if anyone wants more information on that, we did a whole episode on motivation and, you know, why rewards don't work. So I love that you said trying to incorporate the special interest as much as possible. Like why not when you were talking about your brother and the dishwasher, I was like in my head, that was what I was thinking before you said, I was like, why not bring the iPad while he's doing the dishwasher, you know, like now the dishwasher can be something like tolerable or even maybe slightly enjoyable as opposed to something that um, he has to like be absolutely forced to do and he hates it and it's going to get worse and worse every time. Yeah. You no. Know? Um, so, you know, just to give everyone kind of a summary as they are as we're wrapping up today, really understanding that special interests are a very big part of life and should be validated, supported. They are a safe space. We need to give kids space to explore them and try to incorporate them as much as possible. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. Yeah, just do all the special interest stuff. That's the most important thing. Don't push it to the side. Just keep it up at the forefront of your mind when working the child at all times. Yeah, that's so great. Is there anything else you want to add on that topic? Um, 
Not that I can think of. <laughs> put you on the spot. Uh, this was so too early for my brain to work. <laughs> yeah, you guys uh, should know that this is Friday her time. It's Thursday my time because we're a day apart. Yeah, That's where we are. So this is like first thing in the morning for you, and I'm about to finish work. <laughs> But, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Thank you so much for being here. I'm sure that everyone is going to learn so much. Every time we talk, I learned something new from you. So we just so appreciate you being here and you guys should definitely, we will put your Instagram handle in our show notes so that everyone could go and follow you as well, because you put up a lot of great posts on many, many topics. Perfect. Thank you so much, Jesse. Of course. All right, everyone. Have a great rest of your evening. If you enjoyed today's episode, hit subscribe, write a review, or share it with a friend. Thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you next time.